0: Hello, and welcome to Make Mine Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Elias Rosner. And I'm Jana Hill. And today, we are taking a little vacation and taking the portal down
1: Krakow away. Excelsior. It's been a while. I mean, it's been a while since we talked on the air about it. I've been like, uh, eat, eating and sleeping and x menning
0: Oh, that's since a good what, point. What, what's the, when was the last time we uh, checked in on the air? Uh, I think it might have been in, like, November.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. <sighs> it might have been November. There was one month recently where I didn't read any comics for a month, and then I sat down for, like, a weekend and caught up on X-Men. Ooh. But besides that, I am, like, a Wednesday reader every every morning with the
0: X-Men. Oh, I'm, I'm less of that, but there's some, some X-Titles that, uh, well, when we get to our list, you'll see which ones that I'm actually reading <laughs> week in and week out. Yeah, because I was noticing when we were compiling the full list of X titles,
1: this was the very first time we've done this exercise, where there's a bunch of books that I was just like, huh, I don't even remember what that is. Yeah. The most unfortunate part of that being some of those are happening right now.
0: Yeah, that was definitely the worst part of that.
1: (laughs) Because, like, when I saw Juggernaut,
0: I remember Juggernaut still seemed kind of a novel when that came out. Oh, Yeah, yeah. I still remember stuff that happens in Juggernaut. We still haven't gotten D Cell back. Yeah,
1: we love D Cell over here and that Empire mini series was fun. Like way back at the beginning, all those minis were really fun. But now I just feel like there's just like they're they're back to like random spinning their wheel series. So hopefully this Fall of X business is really gonna give them back the juice they need.
0: I don't know. We'll see. I just hope they don't blow it up like they kinda did with Moira.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about all that yet. But fortunately, we don't have to predict the future and uh, what's coming up on Xbox because we are talking about the past. How many X series has there been now since the rise of Krakoa? Uh,
0: okay, so we're up to forty-seven unique series. Forty-seven. Forty-seven. The last time we did this, we had thirty-four, uh, and the time before that, which is about the equivalent of when this would have been happening last year, there were 33. And that's cumulative. And some of those are events and some of those are storylines.
1: But now there's just like a lot of things where like there's an X-23 retcon series and uh, there's a What Are Rogan Gambit up to series that I just keep forgetting about. They don't seem like uh, central books.
0: Oh, because a lot of them are, are minis. We're, we're back to the here's like seven or eight minis during the year, which I don't mind, but I miss having like five or six core ongoing series and then you know we add a couple that's what this was at the beginning and then they started like getting canceled after 10 11 issues and that's still happening now we'll get a series it'll be going on you think it's an ongoing and then suddenly oh no it's 10 issues and we're like but why you are just renaming the book and then relaunching it for the fourth times the same creative team well they're trying to get the
1: fluffed up uh, number one sales that's Ugh. been driving. That's been driving uh, floppy comic sales for decades. Mm. Yeah, it's never been sustainable. It gets more
0: ridiculous every year, but they're still doing it. Yep, and if Tom Brevort is to be believed, it works enough. Yeah, it works enough that uh, to be that it makes sense for them. Not for us, though. No, not for us. It is rather frustrating. Uh, so, for those of you who are joining us for the first time. Welcome for those Welcome. who are coming back. This is Baseline X. We gave it a new name last time and I can't remember what it was. I think was it was it just More than Meets the X. Oh, it could have been. It could have been. I like that one. This is More than Meets the X. Will we be doing it again? Uh, you know, at the end of this list We'll figure it out because we started this project as a way of keeping track of the Hickman era of X-Men, the launch of Krakoa and when everything was feeling like really new, really exciting. And we wanted to track our feelings, you know, every month as the books were coming out. And I think we've reached, you know, then Hickman left the book and then we started doing it uh, more periodically. Yeah. And now, well, there are 47 books. That's a lot of books. We should probably get started. Uh, We're going to do half the list now, uh, and then half the list after the break. And we're going from our least favorite to our most. And we'll try to talk about the important ones as we go. You know, maybe we'll talk about some of the ones that are uh, perennially in the same spot. Maybe. Well, that's what I was going to say, is um, there are a couple of these books we've litigated before. So, um, oh, yeah. without further ado, I bet if we start at number 47, we're going to hit a couple of old favorites. Oh, pr- maybe. We'll see. Um, so, do you want to get started, or do you want me to? Uh, up to you. I can get started. Please do. My number 47, starting at the bottom of the
1: bottom, is, of course, Fallen Angels, the failed experiments from the very beginning of this entire X-Men endeavor that was really interesting but ultimately poorly received and then abandoned.
0: The weirdest part of it is I do actually remember a lot that happened in Fallen Angels, but maybe it's because we've just talked about it so much because it is also my number 47 and it still remains like in my head the just the the worst of all the X-books that have been released for both of its potential but also just like how at every turn it made just the wrong decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just, um, it didn't fit in to the line that they were trying to do, and that's yeah. okay. And, but, but now you're right, being number, th- in last place, being number 47, mm-hmm. kind of feels like an honor compared to number, like, 32.
0: Yeah, yeah, kind of. My number 46,
1: and this is different, actually, I, I, the, my bottom of the list shuffled about lately, is X-Men Fantastic Four, the Chip Zdarsky miniseries. Wow.
0: That fell far.
1: It just ultimately like has so little to do with anything. It's most remembered for the Franklin Richards retcons over and over again, but that hasn't yeah. had anything to do with X-Men. There were some Doctor Doom Sentinels, but not a lot came of that. It was just like an awkward miniseries when it came out, and now years later, it was like, oh yeah, that's the thing that happened.
0: Yeah. Um, but my number 46 is actually X-Men Green. <laughs> Holy crap! Yeah, tell me what's up with that. My my X Men Green is much higher ranked than that. Do you want to talk about it when we get to it on yours? Uh, yeah, right. That's usually our rule. Yeah, so we'll we'll do it that way. Um, what's your number forty five? My number forty five is Children of the Atom. Hmm. My number forty five is uh the Steve Orlando Marauders book. Whoa. Yeah, my bottom really shuffled. And I kind of did that intentionally, maybe not intentionally, but like I really took a look at this bottom and was like, all right, where do I, how do I rank within the bottoms? And I did a bunch of shuffling, but we'll we'll get to that when we get to it. Yeah, because normally we have the Ben Percy books way down here, but we oh, haven't yeah. mentioned those yet. Mm-hmm. What's your number 44? My number 44 is The Excellent. Ooh, ooh, my number 44 is Deadpool. Ooh, well, my number 43 is first new entrant on my list, Extreme X-Men. Ooh, I'm getting, I'm sensing a pattern of what's ending up on your bottoms of the new ones. Yeah. Uh, My number 43 is X-Corp. All right, all right, all right. My number 42, and I guess it's time to talk about one of these finally,
1: (laughs) is Marauders Volume 2 by Steve Orlando.
0: Ooh.
1: Ooh, that's far. That book, Marauders by Steve Orlando, um, debuted... At number seventeen on my list. A couple months later, it had fallen to twenty-four, and now it is coming in at forty-two.
0: Now, obviously, those numbers are a little funky because we had what, like thirteen new, uh, yeah, thirteen new issues or, or new series. So, you know, it may not have fallen as much as it seems, but it's definitely fallen a few spots. Yeah, I like. I'm real mad at that book. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel bad saying this yeah. every time. I'm like, I think Steve Orlando connects as a writer with some people. He just does not connect with me. The way he writes is too airy. It's like I read a sentence and it doesn't connect to the next sentence. And the ideas always feel like all the way out in the clouds. The this, the sequencing of what's going on in a Steve Orlando script for me rarely connects I mean, you are an excellent critic, and that's a really good way of describing some of the problems with that book. Well thank you. Yeah, like, but like Marauders had some real plotting problems and some real pacing issues. One of the worst things about it is
1: that the, pretty much the first move that they did plot-wise was this time travel retcon. Yeah. And it was doing the thing where it was so far in the past that it ultimately didn't matter. It could have been taken place in a parallel dimension for all it mattered.
0: Yeah, and underneath it, there was that mystery of well, how did uh, Kate get this box? But like, there was there wasn't really doing a lot of good character work either. I-, I liked Somnus. I came out of the series liking Somnus and and a bit uh, of Tempo more, but n- not much else. I I, li- I like
1: Kate still. She's like one of my favorite characters. So mm-hmm. I'm happy for her to be in a book. I really like, and I think the best parts of the book are what he's doing with Cassandra Nova.
0: Mm, I could take her and her squished little Yoda head
1: yeah love her take. and her squish little yoda head she's practically she's it's so squishy. she's practically a grogu <laughs> evil grogu and i've liked the the art in the book pretty consistently
0: it has been like mm. fun
1: anime style spaceships and monsters and stuff
0: yeah i th- i think i would have liked the art more with a stronger script
1: yeah and you're right about how um sentences often don't seem to connect to each other mm-hmm. uh airy and kind of weightless um and on when you sentence- have an
0: airy weightless style too you know it didn't feel like super solid like some of the art on some of these these books you walk in and you're like oh wow there's like you could see the dust on the bookshelf in the background whereas in this backgrounds are a bunch of splashy colors and and action lines and people are like stretched to the extreme which is a good style but i didn't connect with this book and i don't love it in general so that's a personal taste thing too i could name a number of orlando books
1: i've really enjoyed um mm-hmm. most of them at dc mm-hmm. this uh <laughs> this is a disappointment both because of how much i love marauders and how much i usually enjoy orlando's writing yeah uh, he should have just given us a pirate book yeah he, there's so many marauders is such a good pitch and there's so many good way, things you can do with the concept yeah.
0: That it's a that shame. first
1: issue really gave like a it was like a laundry list of good story ideas and they got to like half of them and now we're just doing stupid stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, the s- series is over. So Oh, I didn't have it marked as over. That's <laughs> Yeah, sad. it just ended. Just ended. You didn't even notice it ending. Yeah. That that's the way with a few of these series. That's also why it sits so low for me. I'm like, "Oh, they it's not even continuing. They don't even get to, to do more of the stuff. Most of Man. the plot ended up being with this threshold stuff. Yeah, which all
1: that part which was lame. And now I'm just like, "Oh, but we teased so much fun stuff with Brimstone Love. I'm the world's biggest Brimstone Love fan."
0: Yeah, I I genuinely skimmed the last issue. I tried to read it and I could not. It, yeah. It was pretty tough. Yeah. Um so that was your 42, correct? Correct. So my 42 was Way of X. Interesting. Um we haven't hit my Way of X yet. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. What's your what's your forty one?
1: So my number forty one is Gambit. Ooh. By okay, Mister Chris so
0: Claremont. Let's talk about it here because Gambit is sitting at a spot on my list that everyone should disregard because I forgot to read it and I put it where I thought it would sit. I see. Where did you? Where's that? Uh, twenty seven. Actually, I'm gonna just tip my hand on that one. I just kind of threw it in the middle there. Uh, Um, I'm like, oh, it'll probably be fine, but I, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, I just, I had it on the list to, to read for this and just forgot.
1: Yeah. So it's, um, this Gambit series is a Chris Claremont series Mm -hmm. and it's a prequel series taking place, taking place like more in the era of X-Men that, uh, Claremont was writing and I also feel like because he left the book so suddenly, shortly after Gambit was created, mm-hmm. he only got like two or three years with Gambit before he left Marvel. I mean, that's a long track
0: record for nowadays.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, things being different and Gambit wasn't in every issue. He was it started mm-hmm. off as more of a peripheral character before he got like brought into the fold. Yeah. But like, I feel like uh, Claremont, it feels like he has so much Gambit story he never told. But none of it works in modern comics and not only has Claremont's writing kind of lost he's lost his fastball in later years, but uh-huh. sometimes it gets like really like creepy and skeevy in this way that the comics and the the tone of everything now doesn't support as well as it did in the 70s. Mm. Yeah. And some of the fetish stuff that was like kind of charming what with um, all these guys wanting Storm to tie them up and what in like 80s comics mm-hmm. just like feels weirder now. I don't know and that's the whole vibe of this gambit book is it's like a bunch of shoe leather about gambits new orleans thief days and uh his time with the x-men and and like none of that stuff is the most interesting part of the marvel universe mm.
0: i wonder if it's because just general knowledge and acceptance of that kind of i guess i don't want to just say the scene like bdsm scenes but also just discussions of sexual kinks and sexuality and just sex in general has become more open and overt in comics Uh, Mm -hmm. since then, that just doing the same thing 40 years later feels really weird in a way that it wouldn't be if you're reading the same stuff from the era, because you're like, oh, at the time, this was like, maybe it's still weird, in that like you f- you kind of feel like mm, maybe it shouldn't be done this way but you're like they're trying to express something that they couldn't express in any any other way but now there are other avenues.
1: If you think about the cultural context of like 1978 mm-hmm. and Dark Phoenix is coming out and Emma Frost debuts wearing that and G Grey comes out the exact same outfit but color swapped, right? Yeah. I feel like just like now as that would be such a weird creative choice, but in the 60s, the Hellfire Club was a parody of the British TV show The Avengers. And it's not like there was streaming, so people couldn't watch that. But Claremont grew up uh, in part in London and part in New York. Mm. So he had watched The Avengers as a kid. And clearly the uh, formative in- uh, image of um, one of the characters of that show wearing that outfit, like, was an awakening for young Claremont. So he kind of put that in the book. And thus it feels personal in this way that feels less um, hand-wavy and leery and exploitative. hmm And when you're reading those scenes, there's, like, a bit of vulnerability about, like, uh, trying to understand why women would want to wear outfits like that. Mm -hmm. And just, like, yeah, now he doesn't have that vulnerability. Now he doesn't have that interest. And now there's not, like, the cultural context where, like, he could imagine this obscure British TV show and something that he found sexy and then convey that to a whole new continent and a whole new medium. Mm. Yeah. After I finish writing my book about my unauthorized biography of Brian Michael Bendis, maybe I'll do Claremont. (laughs) (laughs) you know he and i lived on the same kibbutz not at the same time no i didn't know that yeah and uh, i lived there in 2006 and he lived there in like the 70s i talked to him about it briefly uh at new york comic-con in 2019 right before covid Mm. and uh i said excuse me did i read somewhere that you uh had lived on kibbutz nativa lamad hey and he just looks at me and he growls nativ and i'm like (laughs) yeah and then he uh gave me his card and now i have his personal email oh that's fun we, we corresponded on it once. Uh, hey, I just asked I mean, him for
0: stories. Hey, it's still one. One is yeah, fun. Yeah, it was still one.
1: That's more than I had before that. And uh, he told me about, uh, he picked almonds in the almond trees on that kibbutz.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: Isn't that cute? cute story yeah. from Mr. Chris Claremont? He also, um he, he went to undergrad where I went to grad school. And that then he made, uh, that's where Professor X graduated too.
0: <laughs> so you're like one degree of separation away from all this. I'm probably like some sort of reincarnation of Claremont.
1: Yeah, because Claremont, still alive. trans vibes. Yeah, it can happen. It's happened in X-Men, certainly.
0: Oh, uh, that's true. That is the most X-Men thing to happen.
1: And uh extreme X-Men, which I mentioned earlier, is I I have similar criticism for. It's like a similar yep. kind of project, and it's, this, it's also by Claremont. But that one I like a little bit less than Gambit, because with Gambit, I always feel like he felt like he had more to say, and then it's never as interesting as I hope it would be. Mm-hmm. But the extreme X-Men stuff was all it, it was just like him playing on all of his worst ideas from his return to X-Men um in the late 2000s before Grant Morrison took the book. Mm. Okay. But and that's that was like always that's the weakest stuff Claremont ever wrote and now it seems like he's trying to return to that with nostalgia because it was 20 years ago. Yeesh. And um I am not nostalgic for those comics they are bad.
0: We'll get we'll get to there in a bit cuz I I we okay. still haven't gotten to it on my list. Interestingly that's right, that's enough. Right. Uh, my number 41 was Children of the Atom. Just, I-, I feel bad for that series. It plummeted from where I used to have it, but I-, I just remember so little of it, and it felt like a book that ended up maybe not wasting its potential, but had its potential wasted. By whom? Yeah, I don't know, because- Well, COVID was cle- a factor. Yeah, clo- COVID was a factor, because I like the art team, I like the writer, but- You know, even together, they did good stuff, but just the book itself, something went wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, publication-wise, something went wrong, and also, um, something I was noticing is the very bottom of my list, the the books that are, like, true catastrophes, Mm -hmm. are books that were, like, early risks that really didn't pay off, that ended up delivering stinker comics for whatever reason. Mmm. Yeah. And now on my list, we're kind of in, like, this recent slew of, like, similar books that it's all, like, a great goo to me.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Children of the Atom. I, I feel like it. if it hadn't ended when it did with a sudden wrap-up, I think it could have become something better. You know, in the era of a book having enough sales to last to then get better, the, I just get the feeling that this could have been one of them.
1: Yeah, you could have grown it into like a Runaways type series.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just didn't didn't get there, and then Cutthroat yeah. Market ended it. Yeah, um, we, we talked about this a lot in the past, but yeah, Children yeah. of the Atom was
1: was uh, it was disappointing when Children of the Atom was suddenly canceled.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: what's your forty? So my forty is now we're getting back into familiar bottom of the barrel territory. My oh, number yeah. forty is Wolverine.
0: Ooh, okay, so mine is the X Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. Interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. We we got some uh we got some surprises coming up. So what's your thirty-nine? My thirty-nine is uh Wolverine's sibling, X Force. Hmm. This is where I have Legion of X. Well, I haven't we haven't gotten up to that yet for me, have we? I don't think so. But we can talk about my number thirty eight. What is it? That's X Corp. Ooh, I mean, we, we've we kind of talked about this is, I I feel worse about it than Children of the Atom. I don't feel like it could have gotten better, uh, but it feels like it had the same problems as Children of the Atom.
1: I thought that the thematic stuff about capitalism and old money versus new money, I thought that that was interesting. And if, yeah, and if the series had gone a lot longer, that could have amounted to something. And I thought it was really good character work for um, Angel and Penance, mm-hmm. which, and I, and I like them as a duo. I thought that was a fun pairing.
0: Yeah, it was. It had that weird continuity snafu in the middle, though. Yeah, that was weird. It wasn't. I I mean, Hickman had a weirder continuity snafu in his books Mm. when um, people
1: were were talking to Vulcan's hallucinations.
0: (laughs) What was that? I don't remember.
1: When he was he was talking to Petra and Sway, and before that issue. Hickman's intention was to have it so that uh, they were still dead and Vulcan was talking to like hallucinations of them. Oh. Uh, but then there's a scene where Havoc walks through the room and he talks to the three of them. Whoops. Yeah, and um, and when you read that issue you, you could re- if you're looking for it, you could feel it. You're like, oh yeah, there's something wrong about this conversation.
0: Oof. oof a Uh My number 38 was Extreme X-Men. Yeah! I said kind of, my, my what I had to say about Gambit goes double for
1: Extreme X-Men. How about you, you though? I have no
0: nostalgia for this original series. In fact, I knew nothing about it. And I thought, I was like, it's fine. I did not feel strongly about it when I finished it. I was like, whatever. It's not terrible. I, I appreciated actually seeing the weird old school way Claremont approached the writing. And Salvador Larocca's art actually looked kind of good compared to like some of his more recent stuff. Larocca and Claremont are um, surprisingly
1: good collaborators. Larocca's done a lot of Claremont books, actually.
0: Yeah, I just Larocca's face hasn't—it looked more uh, solid. It looked less uh, traced photorealism than it had been recently. Uh, like on the Star Wars books, it really got bad. Yeah, I remember this. But there's still, you know, this is one of those nostalgia miniseries that. Eh, it was fine. I thought maybe I thought you would like it more maybe if, you know, you had some connection to that era of the the X-Men or knew more about what was going on there. But no, no I, most of
1: this era I mostly read uh in recent years.
0: Yeah, everything that fell be- below this was more of like something about it made me angry or just like I guess in the in the way of Children of the Atom just disappointed me immensely. <laughs> Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. I would probably re—I would probably move Children of the Atom above Extreme X Men. Maybe the more I think about it, but also I don't know. It was just such a nothing series for me. I didn't know where to put it. Yeah, I, I
1: feel similarly, but I have a little bit of anger because I didn't like that time period. There you go. So your number thirty-seven. We're up to thirty-seven. My number thirty-seven is X twenty-three colon
0: Deadly Regenesis. Ooh. My number twenty-three was X Men Fantastic Four. You're number thirty-seven. Yes, thirty-seven. I I said X
1: twenty-three. <laughs>
0: God damn it! What's your what's your thirty-six? I have no more thoughts on X Men Fantastic Four. We've said it enough.
1: Yeah, uh, but number my number uh, thirty-six is something I bet you want to talk about. It is Deadpool. Ooh! Do you want to get get us started on Deadpool, or do you want me to? You had it lower, so I'm I'm more curious. I feel like your uh, thoughts are more interesting. Okay, so
0: I. I put it so low because it's. I don't know how to justify it to be honest. Well, but because I'm I like you <laughs> I like Valentine Vong. I like Deadpool. I guess I've never been a huge Deadpool fan. Like I never read the Dug and Run. I liked Kelly Thompson's stuff on the book. Deadpool's fine. And the, the book just isn't, it's just not doing anything for me. I read an issue and I move on and it feels like it's just spinning its wheels. Every single issue just keeps going the same thing over and over again. I get some chuckles and I like the colorful cast of characters, but just it's not doing anything for me.
1: Yeah. Um, by, there's only been one Deadpool appearance during Krakoa that I've, like, really enjoyed, and that was when he showed up in Cable. Hmm. <laughs> I thought he was a great, I just, I guess Cable and Deadpool, there's a reason they're always a duo. Yeah. Sometimes a duo. Yeah, you're. I, I agree with everything you said. It's, like, a real whatever of a book. It's not the funniest Deadpool I've ever read, and I guess what's annoying about it to me is, when you're looking at this, this is just, like, another book that I now feel obligated to uh, read each month because you're telling me it has to do with Krakoa, but, like, whatever. There's nothing essential about this Deadpool book. Yeah, and, like, I like the the art. (laughs) I like
0: like the art, but also I find it hard to follow sometimes. Like, it's just too busy. Too much is going on at once in these panels. Deadpool works with
1: the X-Men, too, but uh, if this book didn't have an idea of what to do with the concept of Deadpool goes to Krakoa, Mm -hmm. then, like, I don't know what we're even doing here, guys. Yeah. I like Deadpool... On Uncanny X Force by Rick Remender,
0: that was a great use of Deadpool and X Force showing up in those few issues of X Force. Deadpool showing up in those few issues of X Force. I enjoyed his presence there, bantering with Omega Red
1: and uh, at the uh, Hellfire Gala. Yeah, there. Yeah, Deadpool's like if you write if there was a book about Deadpool doing Krakoa stuff on Krakoa, I might like it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think like a more comedy instead of an action book. Yeah, would work weird better. fucking book. What's your yeah. thirty six? Rogan Gambit. Ask me my thirty five. What's your thirty five? Rogan Gambit. Hey, I genuinely don't remember anything that happened in the issues I read. So please take it away. Isn't That's this uh, Stephanie here. Phillips? It is. God, I love Stephanie Phillips too. I think it just I, – I think it was just because I was reading it with all these others, but I don't – I have no solid memories of what happened in these issues. I guess one weird thing to me with a lot of Krakoa books is there are some Krakoa books
1: like Marauders and X-Men mm-hmm. where you understand why they're not on Krakoa doing stuff. Mm-hmm. But then the Rogue and Gambit's so weird because they're not on Krakoa. Uh, they're just doing like the usual Rogue and Gambit stuff. They're going to New Orleans. They're getting attacked by shady guys from Gambit's past. Rogue has like a complicated connection to somebody that, uh, we're just like playing the hits with that one.
0: Yeah. Do they have a, is that the one, did they lose their powers in this one? I don't remember either, which probably goes <laughs> to show. Oh my God. There's uh, the, the, the fact that there are multiple books where the characters are having their powers, you know, interrupted or stolen or something baffles me. All happening at once. That could be thematically interesting. I mean, it could be, but it, it's not.
1: Yeah. Anyway, my, my if you're doing a Rogan Gambit book, I think, I would love to see a book about their kind of, like, boring
0: domestic married life. Yeah, like uh, Mr. and Mrs. X. Well, I guess that wasn't really the boring one. But... Well,
1: Mr. and Mrs. X was them on a vacation. Mm-hmm. But I just want to see, like, uh, I would love... I We've never really gotten a slice of, like, Krakoa book where, like, we see them going to pick up some milk or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would—Rogue and Gambit are perfect examples of characters who had a crazy life off the island who are trying to, like, live a calm life on the island. Mm-hmm. And, like, a weird neighborhood drama sounds fun to me.
0: Uh, just picturing the the a sitcom of Ro- Rogan Gambit like fighting with Blob because you know they keep you know blowing something up at two a.m. Blob's like I need to sleep exactly or I'm I was kind of picturing it like
1: um like Tom King Vision oh but maybe less dark
0: yeah perhaps less dark or that dark I, Rogue stories can go pretty dark I it would be fun to have like a genuine just straight up drama yeah and I just
1: like. I love the idea of who are the mutants who live on their streets, because they live in those weird like, little organic flower houses. hmm But, like, they gotta have neighbors, and, like, there's gotta be all sorts of just... And I'm also interested in, like, the Juggernaut has become kind of the sheriff of Krakoa in this phase of the story. Yep. And um, I would just love uh, to find out, like, what calls Juggernaut gets every day, because I <sighs> feel like it's like, a lot of noise complaints. Oh, almost certainly. Yeah, and I would love a juggernaut just like strolling around town trying to de-escalate a bunch of personal beefs. Anyway, Rogue and Gambit doesn't do a lot with its potential despite being written by Stephanie
0: Phillips, who is wonderful. Yes, uh, and by number 35 is The Excellent, which is back for a season two, so we're just counting it all as one series because it it's literally just the second set of six issues. It's identical, it's the same name, no point in splitting it up it's telling the same story so i take it you like the all red nonsense i do i love the all red nonsense i love i don't always love peter milligan's nonsense but i'm having fun with the excellent it's zany it's out there and any excuse to get more all red art i'll take it sure yeah the, the all red art is the best part of it yeah the commentary is a fat load of nothing but i i always had problems with the the commentary in in the ec- ecstatics and that whole thing.
1: Yeah, but, but it sucks because uh, at least with ecstatics, it felt kind of like vital and of the moment.
0: Yeah, this this feels a little little old and he's not playing enough with that. Yeah. But, oh, well, uh, what's your 34? My 34 is is New Mutants, Lethal Legion. Ooh, we'll get there eventually. Uh, my number 34 is Knights of X. We'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. What's your 33? My 33 is giant size X-Men. Ooh. So my number 33, where was, where where did I put giant size? Oh God, I hope I didn't cut it off my list. I mean, or you put it really high because. No, 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 there it is. I see it. Um, No, my 33 is X-Force. All right. This this might be the highest X-Force has gotten and it's purely because of the beast twist.
1: Yeah, I'm someone who didn't like that stuff initially.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. And and now I'm like all about it. It got really good. Yeah. This is kind of the... This has been where a lot of the other shoes have been dropping, and it's gotten really good and really... It finally has the focus it needs. It's justified its existence in a way that is interesting for X-Force. And Sage kind of taking the lead in the book. I've been really liking it. So... It got a nice, healthy boost from that, and I mean, X Force had that shark issue, the shark surfing issue. So I gotta give her props for that. That was a while <laughs> back, though. Um, but what's your? Uh, do you have any more thoughts on X Force, or do you want to move yeah, on to number one? Yeah, uh, the recent
1: twist was good. You know, I love Hank McCoy, so I, I've been. I'm not like I'm bummed to see Bad Guy Beast, mm. but finally the evil scheme and like the shit he was doing built to something that like was. Uh, respectably evil Mm -hmm. and like was like a real evil accomplishment so i really like him as a villain because i didn't like it when he was just like an asshole schmuck whose friends hated him yeah yeah but this is way cooler i love uh him piloting a meat mecha staffed by like dozens of clones of hank mccoy and i love that unlike a lot of uh guys who might have an army of evil clones hank mccoy's work really well together
0: yeah well, because they don't have the same uh, memory resurrection stuff as real Hank.
1: But I feel like uh, the Hank McCoy is, like, very pragmatic and collaborative in a way that, like, Dr. Doom or the Jackal oh, yeah. are
0: not. That's true. That's true.
1: Because, like, the joke with those scenes, like, yeah, were, were you ever a Gravity Falls watcher? Oh, yeah. The joke where all the copies of Dipper in that Copy Machine episode all know that they're going to all, like, break apart and start fight, infighting? Mm-hmm. But when I'm seeing the Hank McCoys, I'm honestly like, wow, I feel like Hank McCoy is his own best friend. Really, he's uh, self-involved that this is like uh, the smartest plan he's ever had, pragmatically speaking, to achieve his ends of war crimes.
0: War uh, Deniable war
1: crimes. Deniable war crimes. And yeah, I've liked the focus being on Sage, who was a character who I always felt like needed a little bit of a boost hmm And I've uh, really liked, um, and one of my favorite parts of the book, which we'll get into shortly for me, is uh, what they've done with Omega Red.
0: Mm, yes. Uh, so, but what's your, your number 32? Because my number 32 is the X-Lives and Deaths of Wolverine. Ooh, uh, and my 32 is Wolverine, so let's talk about all those together. Interesting, cool, yeah. Yeah, uh, Wolverine is sitting above X-Force now, I think just because... I was having more fun with the Wolverine stuff just happening in Wolverine. Finally, had a again, it it, it had a purpose. We've, we you know we're we're dropping a lot of the the other shoes. We're getting uh we're pulling a bunch of threads, and Wolverine's got having a tough time of it. And you kind of you want to see him get through it. You want to see what what's on the other side, and like stuff with the X uh, desk. I can't remember the guy's name, the his human friend that he goes out drinking with. That's finally paying off with something, uh, and it's all just getting really interesting. And I don't know, it, it they feel like companion books again, in a way that doesn't feel like Wolverine's just doing X-Force stuff and X-Force is doing Wolverine stuff.
1: Yeah, my big disappointment with Wolverine, by the solo series, is that the most sensible thing in the world to me was that Wolverine became the sheriff of Krakoa on day one. I feel like he's a good guy, he's de-escalating, but he also, like, can get into a fight pretty easily. Everybody, like, likes or trusts or respects or fears him. Mm -hmm. And so just having Wolverine hang out with, like, a white dude with a sick kid, and he's, like, globe hopping, and just, like, randomly he'll show up in different parts of the world and be fighting uh, mercenaries and vampires and what have you. Mm -hmm. always been a disappointment to me his life does not seem to have changed because of Krakoa at all it seems like he's doing the exact same shit he was doing the day before Krakoa.
0: yeah yeah
1: and as for x lives and deaths i actually thought that that series had a bunch of fun issues in it and some fun consequence like the moira Mm -hmm. stuff for me has actually really aged well Mm. because at the time that was like the first big story we were getting with the new mechanical moira do we call her mecha moira i think we should mecha moira yeah, Mecha Moira. and then when I was coming, out, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about the way we're using Mecha Moira here, but it's been a, it, that was great setup, and I think that uh, Omega Red has actually been one of the best realizations of an interesting like theme with the Krakoa story, which is that Omega Red, due to nonsense comic book things, because his skeleton is covered in carbonadium, and uh, he will die unless he uses his mutant death factor to absorb the life forces of people. You know, just. As you you do. Yeah, normal stuff. But as with um, Proteus in Hoxpox, it turns out it's not really a problem of Omega Red necessarily being evil. It's a problem of, it's like a disability problem. Like if you thought of a solution that could benefit him and that he didn't need to kill like a vampire to persist, Mm -hmm. could he be a productive member of society? And then the other interesting thing is that Omega Red, even before his mutant powers were developed, was like a Hannibal Lecter type serial killer. So the, the theme is doing double duty. It's like with mental health care and like physical health care, can Omega Red be redeemed? And that's such an interesting question. Yeah.
0: And and it's being explored. Well, it's been been explored since X lives and deaths. And I didn't think it would really go much of anywhere, but it is. And it's I'm I, boo, 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 boo. I lost my train of thought midway through that sentence. God.
1: <laughs> well, we've been talking a lot of X. Carbonadium. But yeah, my,
0: carbonadium (laughs)
1: yeah just uh ben percy stuff has been growing and it's it's probably the best it's been since for in years for which is kind of damning with fame praise
0: yeah yeah a little bit what's your 32 uh my 32 was wolverine so Hmm. what's your what's your 31 wait wait is where's our uh oh we're going down to 24 jeez okay uh oh yeah we got a ways to go my 20 my 31 is way of x Okay, my thirty-one is giant size. I feel like uh, I'm gonna start trying to skip the ones that that we've talked about before. Okay, this middle area. Uh, my number thirty is something we've never talked about. It's a new a new book. What is it? My number thirty is Dark Web. Ooh, uh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, my that's a pretty 30... low spot. Yeah, my number thirty is Bishop War College. We'll get there for me. That's higher for me. What's your twenty-nine? 29 is Empire X Men. Ooh, mine's New Mutants, Lethal Legion. Let's talk about that one. Okay. So, after Vita Ayala left the book New Mutants, Charlie Jane Anders took over for three issues, and then New Mutants ended, and then they relaunched as New Mutants, Lethal Legion, which is just New Mutants 34 and 35 and whatever, but, you know, renumbered to be one, two, it's, a it's like a epilogue miniseries. Is kind of how I've been thinking about it. Yeah, and it's been fun so far. Uh, it's I guess it's a good showcase of of these the, these mutants. I'm a little sad that we're not really exploring the other characters that we had been, but that's part of the fun of the the book. You get a rotating cast of characters. Uh, some pop in, some pop out. It's always about a new new generation. Uh, Count Nefaria is here. Yeah, Count Nefaria rules. Good villain. Good villain. And I don't know. I haven't been loving the Cerebra stuff. It feels weird (laughs) because I don't, I didn't really know the character of no girl before this. And it feels like there was just this huge swerve in the middle where I'm like, okay, she's very dissatisfied. I see the dissatisfaction, but it's, I don't know. It's, it's always weird when like these big, Swings happen and are brought in because you're trying to better address the character and better address the situations. That was what I was gonna say. Is that I feel like with the No Girl situation in particular, mm-hmm.
1: everyone feels like they're repairing a broken character and making right something that got criticized in the past. Yeah, and so they're very ex- excited because they they feel like uh, this is their chance. And if they drop this fragile thing, it'll never they'll never it'll it, no one
0: will ever use No Girl again. It feels like I missed a couple steps because we went from introduction to super anger. I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 wait, what's going on? Yeah. The only thing I have to add to that is mm-hmm. that Charlie Jane Anders is
1: a major trans inspiration for me. And I am mm-hmm. wearing right now a uh, pink t-shirt that says pride on it and trans pride colors in Crackoan.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: So like, yeah, Charlie Jane, good in my book. Love Charlie Jane. Um, this feels kind of like, this feels very work for her, higher, and I hope that they relaunch New Mutants with her helming it, and she gets, like, a real run of it.
0: Yeah, we can hope. Or
1: Young X-Men, or Academy X, call it something different if she wants it to do, but, like, I think, uh, I would love her to get, like, an ongoing that belongs to her.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. I think, I think she could do, do well with it. It just feels like New Mutants might have been the wrong place to enter in. Especially following up after, after, uh, Ayala and their... Phenomenal short run,
1: yeah, yeah. And I loved um, Charlie Jane wrote such a good Punisher in War of the Realms. Oh yeah, just like I she she's got she's got some good Marvel stories up her sleeve. I want to see them. Mm-hmm. All right, what's your twenty eight?
0: My twenty eight is my boy the Juggernaut. Juggernaut, and right. my twenty eight is X twenty three Deadly Regenesis. Ugh, do not like this i'm i'm enjoying it i think it's fine who's even who's writing this one uh erica schultz schutz schutz i don't know if there's an l in there or not i I don't know if i've ever read anything else by her um she's written a few she did a few miniseries at comiXology and i can't remember what else but i mean it's fine it's, uh, I, I was enjoying it a lot more than Extreme X-Men, but it's another one of these nostalgia series that I have no connection to, and I know, like, people don't really like the Marjorie Lou X-23 series. I do. I own it in paperback. Oh, you do? You did like it. I'm a big fan, yeah. Okay.
1: There's parts about it that have aged poorly, but it was very important to me when it came out, and I love it. I go back to it. It's a fun book to read. It's <laughs> really good Gambit, Jubilee, and Storm. Hmm. Who are the part of who are the mostly the supporting cast.
0: Yeah. I mean I
1: Laura Kinney is one of my top five X-Men. Yeah. Like I love the character that we used to call X23. I'm mm-hmm. annoyed that we keep making her go back to that code name.
0: Yeah, that is annoying.
1: I also normally I'm like, I don't care. Barry Allen can be the flash, Wally West can be the Flash, they can both be the Flash. It doesn't bother me. But this, like, very specifically was such a significant character step forward for her in the story. Mm-hmm. And all of the good characters who we like were like, congratulations on calling yourself Wolverine, smart person. And um, the fact that we in publication land keep on publishing books and calling them X-23, is fucking irritating. And um, I'm also really sick of just like going back over the origin story and we're re really retconning it. All the best X-23 stories, all the best Laura Kaney stories are like looking forward at the character. What was so great about that Marjorie Lou story was that uh, Laura goes on this walkabout away from most of the X-Men, and then you get to see what she would be like in a Fantastic Four story or uh, an Iron Man story or something. Oh. And I liked that we were positioning her as, like, an important Wolverine, which we've continued to do. And then this is just, like, going back to all of the worst
0: shit. Okay. I get that. I I find it I, dreary. Oh, yeah. it It is kind of dreary. But it's focused, and it's telling i think a a kind of a more personal story than some of these other ones where it's just like let's go on an adventure in an era we're not in anymore which could be fun but i enjoyed it but obviously it's it's sitting middle of the pack it's it's there it's fine i'm looking at it now i just opened it up um Uh, what's your what's your 27
1: my 27 is teeny howard's excalibur
0: Ooh. my 27 as mentioned before was gambit Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your twenty six? My twenty six is Bishop's War College. Ooh. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about Bishop and and his War College. I didn't know really where to put this because I don't really know what how I feel about the series yet. I'm definitely liking it, but it's not inconsequential. But the the pacing in the book is all over the place. Like I really like the stuff with Bishop and the other time the other dimension stuff i'm really liking that but then there's all the stuff with the kids and the struckers yeah yeah and that, that's like a bunch of punch-em-up like i think issue three was mostly the struckers and i just kind of flipped through it because mm-hmm. one it moved kind of fast which was nice i also i like uh sean edward i think it's sean edward hill's art no not edward i got um, it it's uh issue three drawn by sean damien hill damien hill I was thinking, I'm like, it's not, it's something else because Brian Edward Hill was the writer on Fallen Angels. Yeah. There's multiple artists on, um, on Bishop's World Launch, but that's who you're thinking of. Yeah, 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 I like his stuff. It feels like old school, even if it's a little like, uh, melty sometimes. That makes sense? Yeah. It looks like old Spider-Man comics to me. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like that feel to it. I like it. it I think it's a good fit for Bishop and for the, the story being told.
1: Well, I love it. So one thing I like about Bishop's War College is the hook is very, it's like a very sharp hook. Mm-hmm. Where just like you see the cover and you're just like, Bishop is in a world where all the X-Men Calikers are black. Yeah. Professor X, uh, Cyclops, Mr. Sinister, Mystique, even though she's blue, she's also black. <laughs> and then my your immediate question is, cool, why? And that's kind of what I feel like it hasn't really
0: answered yet. Which is why you're hesitant. I'm. Supply- I Yes. I mean, it's starting to. Issue three had. We we got an explanation for for why it's kind of like uh, the series Black by. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the. I think like Tim Tim Smith the third and. Oh, I don't remember the other creators where. Um, It was a specifically black people started developing superpowers. And so the racial dynamics of that propel the commentary of the comic. And so in this world, mutants, instead of being, you know, anyone, although we primarily focused on the white characters, it's specifically black people. uh, And it's kind of become a utopia of sorts, yeah. At this point, which is really interesting to explore, too. I, I, that's why I really like that stuff more than the kids lose their powers because of some bullshit ooze that the Struckers have been given by Orcus, or I think it's the UK government.
1: Yeah, by the Brexiters.
0: Yeah. By the evil Brexiters.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think it's got a good hook. It's been really fun to read. And this is one of the recent books that it has the, done the most to like stand out from this slog of um new mutants x23 gambit and stuff
0: yeah yeah it's and just, it's, like, it's, it's still really, set in the Krakoan era
1: set the, right it's set in the Krakoan era and the characters are like dealing with stuff in the story that we care about now but it's also got this really interesting hook it's exploring this new world it's exploring it in this cool way it's showcasing characters that um like uh Tempo and Surge who I, I'm happier getting more page time mm-hmm just like uh, Bishop's War College right now for me is standing out from the rest of the pack of um, being like a strong, a strong book with a strong sense of identity.
0: Mm-hmm. And I feel like Bishop is going to be moved forward by the end of it instead of it kind of just happening and then being done, which is kind of like what I felt with Marauders. Yeah, yeah, but, but, and that's what I meant when, by uh, when you you, when you start the book and you ask why.
1: It feels very pointed, and you're excited to find out what the point that the author was making is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's like, it's like inviting you to think about it in that way, and that feels like a cool called shot. I can't wait to find out uh, the definitive end of the story and how it's going to affect Bishop.
0: <laughs> All right. I have a question. Mm-hmm.
1: We've been going for nearly an hour, and we're not quite at the uh, halfway point, but this the top half of our list also has a lot more series that we've talked about a lot okay do you want to take a break now uh have you done your number 26 Uh, no my number 26 was devil's reign x-men we can talk devil's no we can't talk it because i haven't had done it yet (laughs) 26 is devil reigns x-men do you want to take a break here and we'll come back and we'll do the rest of our list yeah let's do that awesome
0: hello my name is alice w castle and i host force ghost coast to coast on the multiverse podcast network (laughs) each episode we discuss all the news from the galaxy far far away from movies to comics to novels to tv to games and everything in between you can find us on apple podcasts stitcher or wherever you find podcasts come join us next time and may the force be with you and welcome back. We're discussing all of the X books that have been published since House of X and Powers of Ten, and giving them our power rankings. Uh, we, powers of Ten rankings. Powers of, well, maybe, maybe not Powers of Ten. I sure hope it wouldn't be Powers of Ten. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, we just finished number twenty-six, so we still have twenty-five books to go. God help us! Out of forty-seven. But we think the second half will go a little bit faster. Definitely. Uh, Well, we'll see because we're both very long winded and like to talk. That's also true. (laughs) Well, what is your 25? My 25 is Legion of X. Okay. So that one has ended. Mine was way down on the list. What do you have to say about it?
1: I don't know. I mean, we've talked in the past about it's got kind of this smarmy tone where it thinks it's got all these smart ideas, but it's not actually as deep as the writing seems to imply that it is. Mm -hmm. But that being said, it's got some good ideas. It's got some it's had some lasting impact. Um, It's introduced some characters that had some staying power and got more interesting in other books. Yeah. So I for me, yeah, that's why I'm putting it right in the middle of the pack. It was a pretty I felt pretty 50 50 on it
0: yeah uh i had it significantly farther down because it way of x left such a sour taste in my mouth and it was just a continuation of that but swapping out the protagonist uh sneakily with turning it into legion's book instead of uh nightcrawler's book even though they kept selling it as nightcrawler's book and i just got mad the whole time and i never liked it i never liked mother righteous i thought she was a shit villain and well as we might talk about later i think she's gotten much more interesting oh she has gotten so much more interesting but the way she was introduced was just like that smarmy character showing up and i'm like i don't like legion i don't want to see someone as a villain to legion i wanted to see nightcrawler struggling and mother righteous would just come in and be like i'm gonna fuck around here because i'm cosmic i was like i have no interest in any of this She's got this real like family dollar, Mister Mixapiclick thing
1: going on. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. You don't need Mother Righteous. We have Mister Mix-a-Picklick at home. (laughs) (laughs) I also, um, that tone being all over the place. I that that book has actually felt the most like recent bad MCU stuff to me. Ooh,
0: because every.
1: Every single time that book has restarted, which I feel like has
0: been like 80 times by now, which is a bad sign. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might even restart again, again.
1: Oh, and it's doing, um, we're, we're getting Nightcrawler as Spider-Man, which actually is a great pitch.
0: That is a good pitch actually.
1: But every time it restarts, whatever the promise was the interesting question that the last one ended on, the next one immediately sits under the rug and starts something just as asinine.
0: Mm-hmm
1: where, like, in, originally there was this shit with Onslaught and what is Onslaught really and <sighs> how does Onslaught relate to Krakoa And I don't even remember how that ended up. It was a bunch of nonsense. And then there was the question about, like, Nightcrawler is going to, like, found a religion and he's going to, like, write a Bible and stuff. And then we see Nightcrawler and he's like, oh, I've got writer's block and I don't uh, know if I even believe in religion anymore. And it's like, what?
0: God. It's, yeah. I don't know what is going on with, with Sai right now with his marvel stuff i don't know i wish i did i think he just likes legion too much and he keeps trying to redo his legion book and that legion book is one of the most uh, acclaimed
1: and successful books marvel's published in 20 years i can see why he uh has trouble getting over it but yeah
0: yeah he's gotta let the guy gotta let the character go gotta let him go
1: yeah and, it, and it's all his pet characters and some of them are really tenuously connected black knight's presence there has always been annoying
0: mm. yeah
1: and uh, the Spurrier issues of uh, Sins of Sinister was definitely the weakest part
0: yeah. of an otherwise perfect event. Yeah, we'll get to there. I feel bad because like I'm very split on Spur Spurrier in a way that like I'm not split on Orlando. Uh, sometimes he writes like some of my favorite books, and other times he writes some of my least favorite books. He's very divisive for me. I'm a little cooler on Spurrier than you are generally.
1: Um, but he's written at least two good X Men comics. Just unfortunately, neither of them have been in the Krakoa era.
0: Yeah, yeah. I loved Coda. That wasn't. That's not Marvel. Like Coda and John Constantine Hellblazer are my two. Yeah, favorite that Hellblazer book words. you had me
1: read, and that was excellent.
0: Yeah, canceled Fuck, way before read, its time. I want to read old Hellblazer now. I'm looking at my comic shelf. <laughs> All right, no, we got to stay focused. We've got 20, we've still got 20 something. All right, yeah, okay, what's your number 25? All right, my number 25 is uh, Empire X-Men. A bop,
1: a romp. What's your number 24? My number 24 is new book on the list,
0: X-Terminators. Ooh, wow, that's farther down than I thought it would be. Yeah, I'm a little surprised too. We'll get to there in a bit. Uh, my 24 is Cable. Yeah, my own Cable's
1: much higher. Uh, my number 23 is Inferno. Oh,
0: wow. That's, that's taken quite a tumble. I'm not surprised, though.
1: It's such a weird artifact. Like, it's, um, it's the end of something, it's supposed to serve as the end of something that didn't end?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's like
1: the Avengers Endgame of itself.
0: Yeah, uh, like wherever my Inferno sits on my list, just know that I'm like I have no idea where to put it.
1: It was a cool comic. The, yeah, the, definitely the top triggers...
0: top of the list, but I have no idea where it should actually sit on my list. I'm just like, I don't know. I think here's fine. Yeah, yeah. So my number twenty three was a Juggernaut. That's cool. I didn't realize Juggernaut plays highly for you. That's a fun book, right? Yeah, it just keeps getting more fun the more I think about it. Juggernaut's just such a good character, too. Surprisingly, yeah. Uh, What's your number twenty-two? My number twenty-two is Devil's Reign X Men. Oh, all right. Let's let's talk about that one Uh, because I I don't think we've talked about it.
1: Well, okay, so Devil's Reign was weird because it definitely had very little to do with X-Men because it was so Mm -hmm. New York Daredevil-focused, right? Correct. But what's so great about Devil's Reign X-Men in hindsight is actually mostly Duggan, Jerry Duggan, did a lot of great setup about connecting the X-Men back to New York City so that when the event happened, there was a bunch of recent ongoing story ideas that uh, came into play in Devil's Reign X-Men. The Mm -hmm. two... Primary ones being, one, that we resurrected um, uh, Harry Leland, and now he's the Krakoan ambassador to the UN, mm-hmm. and the second being uh, that the X-Men have now set up their new base in Central Park, in the Treehouse. Yeah, yeah. And be- because of that, when you're reading it, it actually feels really natural, It would, like the X-Men issues, of how Scott and Gene feel about returning to New York and then immediately dealing with the supervillain bullshit. <laughs> It it had personal stakes in this way that
0: uh, I didn't anticipate. Yeah, I thought it would just be like Empire X Men. It would just be like a romp. But it had, but it was both a romp and it you know moved some stuff forward. It mattered. Yeah, yeah. Dark Red Devils Rain X Men. Kind of uh, low key great. Yeah, and and that's why it sits where it does for me. Same thing. Like it it's consequential enough, but it was fun. I don't really have super strong feelings about it, Um, but it's mostly positive. Word. What is your twenty two? Marauders by Jerry Duggan. That hurts my heart, but now is not the place. I know, I know, but no, I mean, I considering uh, most of the things that come above it, I think that's fine. I'm I'm curious because I got some stuff above that point that are, we've already passed for you. Oh, that's true. Uh,
1: what's your twenty one? For example, my twenty one is Knights of X. Hmm. I like Teeny Howard. I like her work. Mm-hmm. And. I like the project that has been the other world magic mutant stuff. It's always had a really clear sense of identity, mm-hmm. but she's got a lot of ideas and she's, it feels like she, she's been refining it every time she does another series, as we'll talk about later too. But I really liked with Knights of X that um, it that one felt like a mini series. It introduced a quest in issue one, and then by the last issue, that quest had resolved in a pretty epic way. Okay. Mm-hmm. With uh, with Mr. M, who had been set up back in Hoxpox. Uh-huh. Finally paid off in a big way there. And it was fun to have a bunch of mutants get to run around Otherworld. Because I feel like every other time Otherworld showed up in Excalibur and X of Swords, we were always, like, running from one place to another. So we never got a chance to, like, walk around and take in the scenery.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: And Knights of X, which was, like, a big mess. And there was a bunch of, there was too many characters in it. But, like, it really felt like the only book that took place in Otherworld where, like, I understood the geography and Otherworld felt tangible to me.
0: For sure. I guess I put it lower in part because, I I don't know, the story was difficult to follow in Knights of X. Like like you said, there were too many characters. It It was quite bloated. And because it's a miniseries, like, I had to judge it only on that instead of, like, as a piece of Excalibur. Uh, which right. is why Excalibur is my number 21. So that's why Excalibur sit, sits higher because the highs of that series kind of outweighed some of its lows, whereas Knights of X didn't have as many highs and kind of left me feeling like, all right, what are we doing now? Like It was like Teenie was like, I have to wrap up this this segment of it now so I can move on and do some of the more other interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, and as we'll talk about with a couple of uh, higher-up books on my list, Knights of X, or uh, Excalibur, rather, I feel like that one, almost every arc kind of rebooted, like, oh, it's about British politics. No, it's about the weird magical lands. No, it's about we're being hunted by uh, uh, Cullen <laughs> Bloodstone, which fucking ruled, by the way. But Excalibur just kept felt like the loosest idea of um, these were the themes that Timmy wanted to play in. And mm-hmm. then Knights of X feels like a really solid uh beginning and middle and end of a story, which I like makes puts it above Excalibur for me and um that's all I have to say until a little later from now, okay, uh, what's
0: your twenty? My twenty is Sabretooth and the Exiles. okay, my twenty is Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain.
1: My number nineteen is Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain hey.
0: So what have you been liking about it so far? I fucking love this book actually. I know it's a 19. Now I'm kind of like maybe I need to rethink this. Well, it's because we have there there have been so many good and great books that we're reaching that part where we're like, "Oh, we're really struggling."
1: Yeah, cuz 19 doesn't seem like uh like it a really It seems so far
0: down. It seems so far down, right? But I've also been really loving this book. I
1: fucking love this book. I love Okay, so right off the bat, um, Excalibur had like a lot of characters, and it was. And while a lot of them got like really cool development that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise, Mm -hmm. Jubilee wasn't that important to that story. No. And like Rogue did one thing that I can remember. Mm. Then with Knights of X, as we've been saying, there's like way too many characters. With Betsy Braddock Captain Britain, though, it's not too many characters, and every character has a reason to be there because it's about. Betsy and her relationship with her brother, Brian. I mean, there's still a lot of characters. Her girlfriend now is Rachel, which feels so good because that had been subtextual for, like, decades that I've read. Mm-hmm. Or rather, Rachel's being queer was subtextual. Betsy, though, um, I feel like uh, it wasn't the most popular ship with Rachel. So what I liked about it is it didn't feel fanservice-y in the way that getting together Kitty and Rachel might have felt. Mm-hmm because it was kind of like a surprise to me that she was with Betsy, but it's been great for me. And then I love um, Pete Wisdom is really fun in that book. Uh, Faiza Hussein showed up, who I love. She is fun. And she's been really fun. And this has been the most, uh, and I've liked um, all of the other world villains coming into the real world, like Morgana Le and the Fury robots.
0: Mm-hmm. Is Faiza supposed to be, is she the the queen's granddaughter? Uh, no. Or no, I'm thinking of Once in Future. Yes, think one yes that's <laughs> different King Arthur book. No,
1: Faisal was just like a med student who um got Found powers and, all, and then later Excalibur. She has her powers are super cool. She's got the same powers basically as Elixir. uh
0: what book was she in before this?
1: Uh she debuted and her most famous uh, role was in Captain of Britain and the MI thirteen. Oh, okay. Which is an excellent series that you would really like. Okay. She teams up with Blade in that one. They fight Dracula on the dark side of the moon. All right, you've, uh, you've sold me. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. um, By Cornell, I think. Paul Cornell. And the other, th- the last thing about Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain, that's hitting so hard for me is the British politics stuff are- feels mm. great now. Because Finally. it's tying in the um, Clan Acaba apocalypse lore with Morgana LaFay King Arthur lore with just like Brexit assholes. And... <sighs> nice. And that unity between the different factions of villains makes the book seem so much better to me. Like, I understand what all the bad guys want separately and why they're working together, even if I don't know the, the full extent of their evil scheme yet. But that's fun to
0: discover. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? I, I just realized I've been, like, gushing about how much I love this book. No, you've hit basically all the things that I like about it. I hope that it's more of a more of a maxi or ongoing than a mini. I'm really afraid that it's going to be a mini and we're just going to end. Me too. I'm really afraid of I, that.
1: I really like all the scenes where we're just in their magic house and Uncle Jamie comes over and, like, he's a little <laughs> menacing because Jamie's evil, but he loves his niece. Yes, and the niece is really cute, and I love Megan. Megan's a wonderful character, and uh, she doesn't get nearly as much dialogue as I wish she deserved. I loved hanging out in a pub with Pete and Fiza and their buds. Mm-hmm. Just like every time the the, the plot is good, the superhero fights are fine, but man, every time everyone's sharing a pint in that book, it is so good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No notes. No okay. Notes. What's your num- number 19 then? Uh, new Mutants. Mine, we got a long way before that. Okay. Okay, so what's your? But we can num- talk about my 18. What is it? X Men Green. Oh wow, you've got it so much higher than my. Yeah, you weren't worried. You hadn't heard it coming for a while. I honestly forgot. Uh, I hate this book. You, ha- I'm so excited. Why do you hate this book? Hands down, one of one of my least favorite reading experiences. It's just like the worst Captain Planet episodes and. I just I do not like it. I think I think this is a, a a rare complete whiff from Jerry Duggan. Wow, that's incredible. I really like this book. No, no, terrible, awful. I just because not, it was I, cheesy? No, I I mean because it was cheesy, but like all the dialogue, like it felt like I was watching or reading the worst Captain Planet episodes, like the worst writing of them, the most hackneyed plots, and taking some of these characters and be like. Okay, they're eco-terrorists now, but not in like an interesting or thoughtful way. It's just screaming, which I guess is the point we're at, just screaming at these companies and blowing them up, which is what we should be doing.
1: Yeah. First of all, I have a personal rule now, which is um, I've noticed that my, you know, my cohorts, people who I am friends with who are in similar bubbles to me. Mm-hmm. Tend to really like sneer at movies with environmental messages, especially if those messages are like thuddingly obvious or superficial. Mm. But on the other hand, we took Thanos, a character who was the <laughs> world, the, the universe's greatest incel at a time when incels are shooting up schools like every other week, and we turned him, an him into an environmentalist. Yeah. So. Clearly, it's not like environmentally conscious uh, fiction is dominating the culture in this way, where it's like, "Ugh, we get it already." Because clearly, we fucking don't get it. Yeah. And when we have a good story, like, and when we want to have like the laziest villain, we make them an eco terrorist, environmentalist who takes things too far.
0: Which kind of is what I was feeling with X Men Green. Like, our protagonist is kind of also being framed as the bad guy. I'm like, but why? No, I really
1: liked it. So that's one of the things I liked is that we stuck with her perspective and she was breaking the laws and taking things too far, but her conviction never wavered. And by the end, I and like by the end, she had also convinced one other person that she was right. It just unfortunately wasn't Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And I really like this story about somebody who felt something so passionately that they would dash everything about Krakoa away. Mm. The the utopia of Krakoa doesn't work for Nature Girl, so she needs to destroy the entire world until and she can make it better. Mm-hmm. I I guess. Just like, if the criticism is environmental stuff is cheesy and and fucking obvious, so is James Cameron's avatar. But and I don't like James Cameron's avatar. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe take a, a deep breath and uh, try to shift your perspective and be like, hey, is maybe this environmental stuff like doing really powerful cultural stuff for fucking idiots who seem to be running the conversation anyway?
0: Yeah, we can hope. We can hope. I don't... What's your... I don't know what it is about Nature Girl being this this focal point and just being like shaving her head. There's just something about that image that I'm like, I don't like this for this character. That's cool. I mean, that's interesting. That's cool. I like that you have such an
1: affection for Nature Girl. I, I like this too, and I thought this was a good direction for her.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. It's it's good that we could have <laughs> these kind of disagreements about some of these books. Yeah, 100. it's fun seeing I, I was, the big like, splits.
1: I have told you in private, I have told you on the, the air of this very podcast, but I like disagreeing with you more than I like agreeing with most
0: people. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. The, what's, what's your 18? My 18 is Hellfire Gala. Um. Well, my 17, then, is a book that I
0: bet you're going to rank pretty high. Oh, boy. And a, a book I love. Which book? And that is Judgment Day. Ooh, ooh, that's farther down than I thought it would be, but... I thought you might feel that way. Yeah, I mean, now we get to talk about the reverse of what we just had. Uh, number 17 is Dark Web. Because okay, you had that so pretty you... far down.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I did. So, why? There was one issue of Dark Web that if I was making like a top 20, if I top 10, if I was making a top 10 single issues of X-Men since House of X, Powers of 10, uh-huh. that Dark Web Christmas special would be on the top 10 list oh the, it was uh drawn by uh, rod reese written by jerry duggan Iceman and firestar and spider-man had to fight the rockefeller center christmas tree why why don't i remember this you don't what? remember this issue i have oh, every no, no, panel i think i do okay. let's see i have every panel of this issue screenshotted it's so funny dark did and you it, say that was the worst no that was the best that's one of my top issues of x-men okay good because yeah. i was like are you kidding me the So, the original Inferno, the 80s one, the best part of it was that all these inanimate objects got turned into demon monsters, and all the Marvel superheroes in New York had to fight them. Mm-hmm. Famously, Daredevil loses in a fight to an animated vacuum cleaner. <laughs> this is like a panel that I see get shared all the time, Stalled. So this is like a legendary comics moment. And so... This story, which had a, was an, uh, a sequel to the original Inferno, yeah. sharing a, a villain as Madeline Pryor, uh, they were just like, well, let's just do the funnest part of Inferno for an issue, and let's have Rod Reese draw it. So it was fucking incredible. It was just like all of these, like, uh, there was an Uber that got uh, shanked by a taxi cab at one point. Mm-hmm. Just like all these great New York jokes that were incredible to see drawn um, at one point in the issue, Santa Claus dies and then uh, gets resurrected on Krakoa because Santa Claus is canonically a mutant, as we have discussed on this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that issue is incredible. But the story and the hook is cool. What if Madeline Pryor, clone of Jean Grey and Ben Riley, clone, clone of Peter Parker, teamed up for revenge? But why? The conclusion of the story was that after uh, an entire issue of Madeline Pryor fighting Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor is finally like, my memories, you took them from me. Mm. And then Gene's like, oh, word? That's your fucking problem here? Okay, let me just download you all those memories real fast. And then Maddie's like, oh, thanks. I'll uh, I'll call the demons off now. And <sighs> that moment torpedoed my interest in the entire story. It was like the entire conflict didn't need to happen. And the only thing good we got out of it is that one issue with Reese and Duggan. And uh, the rest of it was like a pretty repetitive demons versus superhero story that ultimately didn't matter and didn't do anything for anybody
0: yeah i can't i really liked dark web and the the dark web x-men miniseries but yeah that's why i i thought it was silly i thought it was fun i think it worked better as within the spider Spider spider-man stuff all the spider-man stuff kind of tracked
1: and the antagonism was better set up. The most yes. recent thing we did with Madeline Pryor was like gift her a demon dimension, um, and like listen
0: to her grievances. Yeah, her her twist of like why she was enabling uh Chasm. Chasm. Uh and uh and God, what's her name? Not not her superhero supervillain name, the the her civilian name. Who Madeline? No, no, no. Um Ben Riley's girlfriend. Janice, I think. Janice Godby, yes. Goodby? Be. Be. Goodby. Yes, Hollow's Eve. I think that's the best thing to come out of this, to be honest. Janine. Janine. She's changed her name a bunch of times. That's why you're confused. Okay. Hollow's Eve. Love it. Love that. Yeah, great superhero name, great, vill- great supervillain name, great villain look. Yes. But, yeah, the, the, the whole event is kind of silly, and I liked it because I also really liked the Spider-Man stuff, but I agree that all of the Madeline Pryor X-Men... Nonsense was out of nowhere at the beginning and out of nowhere at the end because there was no real reason for her to be mad in the first place, like in any meaningful way. And And that she could snap her fingers and undo the conflict at any time with no consequence. Yeah. I think Zeb Wells must have been like out of the loop enough because this feels like he was trying to pull on a thread from the end of Hellions about, Mm -hmm. you know, them not wanting to resurrect her and her being like angry about that. Uh, and then Duggan had to resolve that aspect in the miniseries, so, you know, you know what I hadn't thought of that, but you're right, that's exactly what's going on there. Yeah, so I I, I can see why there was there is that disconnect. Uh, I still liked it.
1: I'm also not as fond of current Spider-Man status quo as you. Yeah. Like- I love Jada Jonah Jameson. He's a great character, but his stuff in dark web um, <laughs> didn't thrill me because it's not as fun when he knows that uh Peter Parker's identity and they're working together like that. Eh, I guess it's, that just kind of, it kind of sours that for me for some reason. I just, I like I like their, their classic dynamic and them working so well together, kind of like robs me of that glorious antagonism.
0: That that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I have no defense either way. I'm glad you liked it. Me too. (laughs) What's your number 16? My um, number 16 is Hellfire Gala. Ooh. So we kind of collapsed this one into every year's Hellfire Gala is counting towards this as one big series. Because, you know, we get one special a year, but it's been pretty even. And it's all kind of following up on the same kind of story, I guess. And now that we have three... It doesn't feel like so much of a one-off. Yeah, and the way that they're similar and different every year has been cool too. Yeah, and I think this year's was more successful than last year's issue. Yeah, just, uh, I just feel like that's um, I just totally spaced again, huh? God, it's it. There are too many series. <laughs> There's so many series. There's so many series. I'm trying. I'm trying to recall what happened in the latest Hellfire Gala because I can kind of remember what happened in the previous one, but. I don't. I mean, there's the next one that hasn't come out yet. Are you thinking of that? They've been promoting it. Oh, that's true. And I think it'll be out by the time the episode
1: comes out. Yeah, it's coming very soon. But the last one was uh, the one where Moira was there and Proteus found out about oh, Mecha Moira. Oh, yes. And also, um, there was a Spider Man robot there <laughs> because he stole Spider Man's invitation and he didn't know who Mary Jane was. And Mary Jane got very weirded out. It was a great gag.
0: Yep. No. Um... Hellfire Gala. No, it wasn't. No, that was actually Spider-Man because Mary Jane's being possessed by Moira.
1: I got it the other way, right? Mary Jane was the Mecca. Yeah. The Mecca plant. Yeah, and Spider-Man uh, was just like, oh, hey, I'm Jane. She was like, hey there, superhero, I don't know. And he was like, what? <laughs> and I, I love the tradition of the Hellfire Gala. It's like Emma Frost throws a big party every year is great. And what a fun like uh, thing to do for an annual. It gets to be such an artist showcase because of all the fun outfits. Mm-hmm. But then it also gets to, and then it also gets to be this like weird pop culture thing where all these celebrities get drawn in, which I love because I love when you go back and read old comics and there's like contemporary figures drawn in. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I, so just, I, like, I miss
0: doing that with like world leaders, but I also get why they don't do it with world leaders.
1: Yeah, particularly right now. Yeah. And then the last thing I love is that it's also like WrestleMania where it's like this big go home show. They blow off all the conflicts and they set up what the next season of X-Men is going to be about.
0: Yeah. And we get the entire line uh, now revolves around it. Yeah. And we get a new uh, team.
1: Right. And we get the vote. Just like all of these little traditions and doing them every year is like such a fun thing for an ongoing superhero comic. I feel like the industry has always been so tumultuous that you can't keep something like that up for more than a couple of years. Mm hmm but i really hope it doesn't go anywhere i just like um it's such a good structure for an ongoing series i just said that i love it
0: yeah we'll see what fall of x brings when it gets yeah. here yeah yeah well i'm I have, i'm worried i'm just start crying i'm worried too yeah so we are up to that was your 16 right that was my 16 yeah so mine is x men by jerry duggan my 15 is x men by jerry duggan Hey,
1: yeah, we're solidly. And these are all good books that I love territory. Yeah, yeah.
0: I like I've been liking his stuff more as it's gone on. I think he's kind of found his groove.
1: And, well, and also he had to lay out enough of the track, which she kind yeah. of get awkwardly for a long time, mm-hmm. because now, like every time Nightmare comes back, it's not shocking, but it's like, uh, oh, man, I, this is this is still going on.
0: God, God Nightmare.
1: Nightmare as a Villain's been fun. MODOK's been fun that he's been involved.
0: Yeah, the there was all the Brood stuff that crossed over with Captain Marvel.
1: Yeah, the crossover stuff's been cool. I really like that the rogues gallery feels... Um, It's not just like this greatest hits rogues gallery where he's trying to grab every obvious pull, Mm -hmm. but there's enough of them and they're varied enough that they're using each other's they're either like teaming up or taking advantage of the chaos that the other villains are causing.
0: And he's doing the ongoing serious thing well of juggling a few different plots that don't all have to resolve every issue or even every other issue, but it's just enough that we check in.
1: It's also um, structurally, he's really good at giving really cool showcases to characters that are like tertiary or lower. Forge. Like, well, Forge is on the team. I'm talking Caliban, who Forge was wearing like a jacket.
0: Oh, yeah. That was just like
1: that's the one significant Caliban story we've gotten in all of X Men, and he fit in perfectly there. It like really made you think about his character, and Mm -hmm. now he might not show up again for a long time.
0: Mm. Yeah. We'll see. Maybe he'll show up with uh, old
1: woman Logan. But I'm saying it's like it's not a shame. Every Caliban is like this extra extra treat. No, uh, Old Woman Kenny. Talon, I love her. <laughs> yeah, that ongoing story has been fabulous for years now. Good shit. Good shit. What's your number 15?
0: Sabretooth and the Exiles. Alright. I like that book. Yeah, me too. I think Victor Laval's problem has been his endings. Every time we reach the end of a miniseries, I'm like, this was, this, this did not end. So it doesn't work as a miniseries. And it doesn't always work as like a great intro to the next one. But the ideas in the book and the book itself are always really, you know, thought out. They're done in a way that's so different from the rest of the, the Kirk Cohen books, but clearly rooted in the same ideas. It's just been great. But at the same time, like I said, those endings, they just kind of happen. I
1: th- one thing I think that Lavelle is like underrated for, mm-hmm. he does good superheroes
0: solving super problems with their superpowers. Yeah. I guess in this case, it's super villains.
1: Yeah. Super villains. But like Steve Orlando, not very good at that. Jerry Duggan is pretty good at that. But Ben Percy is not good at that. Yeah. Right. Just like showcasing their powers in a creative like uh, there's a bunch of times in Jerry Duggan where I'm like, hey, remember that time? That uh, Laura Kinney was unconscious, but then her metal body got puppeteered by Polaris. And you do remember that. That was cool, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I can't tell you a single thing in Excalibur. Like, remember that time I think Rogue did something? I don't remember. Uh, Shogo got turned into a dragon. Yeah, but what did he do as a dragon? He kind of just, like, flew... Yeah, he just kinda of flew around and like lit
0: fields of bad guys on fire, I think. And Jubilee worried about him.
1: Yeah. But you see but like Lavelle, it's like, oh my god, remember when like uh Sabretooth was like paralyzed and that fucked up doctor was operating on him? Remember when uh, everyone got scared because Orphan Maker was about to explode again?
0: And then they brought him into another dimension or no yeah. the negative was that the negative I think universe? they I think they said it was the negative zone. Negative zone.
1: But just, like, yeah, the, like, bombastic superpowers genre moments, Lavelle is crushing, and then that makes all the, like, headier, thoughtful, thematic stuff cooler. And, Mm -hmm. like, what an interesting signature character to do this version of Sabretooth as, like, your guy. Yeah. Like, Ben Percy's guy is Wolverine.
0: Yeah. And clearly he has both, maybe not affection for Sabretooth, but he's like, this is a character I can work with.
1: Yeah, he's, like, interested in finding these, like sparks
0: of humanity and an utterly irredeemable character Mm -hmm. he's like this is the kind this is the kind of character you don't want to work with like the perfect example of like an innocent done wrong you want to work with like the shitty guy who's like well even the shitty guy deserves better than this
1: yeah that's a nice way of putting it actually is that it's about like the uh, basic humanity present in even the worst of us Mm -hmm. i'm just thinking that i want to read his novels now i have them on my shelf he's a great writer yeah i'm really loving his comics
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right what's your number 14 dude this is where everything you're gonna be like that's so low because
1: that's just where we're at now (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: my 14 is x of swords okay okay
0: my 14 is trial of magneto okay my 13 is x factor oh wow we finally matched up again daily double yay yeah that ending bad ending, not its fault. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what's your number 12? My number 12 is Cable. Oh. Okay. We've talked enough about Cable. Sure, I love this need to series. we about that. I love
1: the art, I love the story. I thought it was 18 issues in and that was perfect. Uh, wasn't it only
0: 12 issues? Yeah, I think there were some specials and some crossover oh, tie and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, My number 12 is the original Sabretooth. Okay. My number
1: 11 is Trial of Magneto.
0: Oh, so that ha- that kind of fell a little bit for us, but not so much. I think we just keep slotting in series above it.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, It was still a better miniseries than like Inferno or almost any of them. It was like really it was exciting and uh, and like hit every emotion.
0: Yeah, I, I've said my piece on Trial yeah. of Magneto. And what's, what's your 11? X of Swords. It keeps growing on me. Exoswords is so good, dude. That's just like an all-time great comic. Yeah, it just
1: keeps growing. All right, what's your number ten? My number top 10, ten is yeah, top ten number ten
0: is S W O R D sword. 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 Right, my number ten is the X Terminators. So wow. let's let's talk about it.
1: Wow. Yeah, I know. You you uh you mentioned oh uh, no you didn't mention uh we this was I'm thinking of something you said off the air. Exterminators was kind of um... oh my god. Where do I even begin with this? How do we? Ex- yeah, how do we begin? Ex- so just like to d- put the facts out there, Exterminators was a mini series by Leah Williams, and who was the artist on that? Was it uh, what's his face? Um you it have was, a copy? I, I
0: think it was. It wasn't Carlos Gomez. That's her usual. Coll- yeah, it was Carlos Gomez. Hey, no, David Baldion was her. Is her normal uh, collaborator? But this was Carlos Gomez. Well,
1: uh, I. Carlos Gomez doing artwork was really fun. Oh, Carlos, no, I'm not, I'm not editorializing yet. I'm just saying facts. Carlos Gomez on art, Leah Williams is drawing. It's a mini-series about three messy ladies, they being Dazzler, Jubilee, and Boom Boom, fighting vampires in like this chaotic, patented Leah Williams, sexed-up madcap, queer roller derby extravaganza. Mm-hmm. And I guess just on a personal note, I loved this book. Do not get me wrong, although um I kind of wish there was more or less of it. <laughs> it just like it took you wish a it Was amount. either
0: a one-shot or ongoing?
1: Yeah, as an ongoing I would love to see how long you could perpetuate that chaos. Mhm. And but like as a mini series, I felt like we kept on jumping around in time throughout it and the consequences of one scene to another. It felt kind of like next wavy, I guess. Mm. Actually, Leah Williams doing Next Wave is the greatest idea anyone's ever had about a Marvel comic.
0: Maybe that's what she's working on.
1: Uh, From your lips to uh, Joe Quesada's ears.
0: (laughs) Well, right now she's doing DC work.
1: That's right. I'm so out of the loop on DC. What I want to say about Exterminators is just like where my affection for Leah Williams lies and its relationship with like my queer journey that's really it's just like cringe man it's just like too much of a part of myself that i'm like i don't know if I'm, I'm ready to like talk to you about this leah williams uh you feel too seen yeah yeah you know the feeling of feeling too seen Mm-hmm. that's what that book makes me feel like a little bit I, I like i i want to buy every outfit in that comic i want to buy all their
0: <laughs> all the clothes there are a lot of good outfits there i I just had so much fun. Exterminators was just so much <laughs> fun. Page one to the final page. I could not put it down. Every month I'm like, Exterminators is out. I'm reading this now. Yeah. And it was I mean, good. it stuck the landing. I, <laughs> I put it above her other two series, mostly just because X-Factor, like I said, fell apart at the end through no fault of her own and Trial of Magneto. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is that just made me put it lower. I think it's just... It's really good, but something about it's just not fully resonating. Maybe I just need to go back and reread Trial of Magneto to remember uh, yeah, how good pre-
1: it is. It's pretty good. It's a good comic. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. It's Everything up in this part is, like, real good. But Experiment, Terminator is probably because it's still so new and fresh in my head and absolute chaos. I needed a chaos book from, from Marvel. And and Leah Williams delivers the best chaos yes. in comics i wish that we had a marvel max line still so that this could have been a marvel max ongoing (laughs) yeah and i would love
1: to use marvel max to do like you know weird sexed up leo williams bullshit
0: yeah like maybe maybe not use it for the super hyper violence that it always was used for and have it be you know better and just have swearing i mean how many maybe a serious drama with swearing how many women wrote Max comics in the original Max Zero, pr- zero? I think. Yeah. I so, think it was zero.
1: So let's just do Max and only hire women and see what that looks like and then we can Ooh. fucking readdress it. Hell yeah. That's my that's my pitch. I think it's a good pitch. And Leah Williams is the headliner with her
0: Next Wave. <laughs> there there we go. They just have a book and it's called Make More Mutants. <laughs>
1: What's God, but size
0: would end up writing that. It would be bad. My number oh, no. nine is Sabretooth. Ooh, okay. Did we want to talk about the original, or do you think we talk, pretty much talked about it with Sabretooth and the Exiles?
1: I just have Sabretooth ranked a little higher because that seems like more of... I was kind of surprised to find out that Sabretooth and the Exiles was a mini. Mm-hmm. And Sabretooth was a perfect mini. It just, like, a, it had a beginning, middle, and an... I know that you didn't love the end, but I thought the end, at least thematically... Um, Really tied a loop. And that was the comic that most established, like, what happens in the pit. Yes. And in current comics, a lot of characters have been to the pit lately, so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, just they, that, Saber Street was really important, too, in setting the, in building Kaikoa.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, to, I don't have much more. I'm eagerly awaiting the third miniseries. Me, the hell, two. What's your nine? My nine is Sins of Sinister. My eight is Sins of Sinister. Okay. How do you want to handle it? Um, what? You, I, that
1: was a scary question. I didn't like it. Sins of Sinister, it fucking rule. Sins of Sinister was a what crossover event. What year do we want event. to tackle? It was a crossover event, uh, mostly headlined by Kieran Gillen, but also with uh, Al Ewing and Sysburrier's books.
0: Yeah. And each era had, I think, one artist who did all three books in each era i think that's how it worked
1: it was extremely formally experimental as kieran gillen's recent comics have really been yes and it was a huge fucking success just like what a cool crossover event um it was a little exhausting because there was a lot of it and as we mentioned earlier i feel like cy spurrier's contributions just like didn't even hold a candle to the other two
0: mm Mm-hmm. yeah unfortunately but it was, like,
1: imaginative. It was epic. When the first issue of it finished, and I, like, gasped and probably texted you within seconds. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, we're about to get, like, the Age of Sinister, and it's going to be even better than the Age of Apocalypse. I cannot wait for a thousand miniseries exploring characters in this weird universe.
0: <laughs> I, we can hope. It's, I think it would be a lot of fun. Oh, you yeah. Like so Sinister the, the artist... Oh, I love Sins of Sinister. Uh, I just wanted to mention the artist. So it was Lan Medina who did mm-hmm. the year one, and then Andre DeVito did year two, or not year two, uh, year 100, uh, and then Alessandro Vitti did year three, uh, or year 1000, God, uh, except for the final issue of Nightcrawlers, which was, I think, Philip Sevi and someone Tameda. I don't know that person. That person's new. I think, I think uh, VD was, was doing art on uh, Dominion, which was the final issue. Lorenzo Tometa was the, uh, the other penciler.
1: The other significant thing about Sins of Sinister is I have said multiple times that Krakoa cannot end, it cannot fall until the character Rasputin is uh, brought into the present, as was teased in Hoxbox. Uh-huh. And that has now occurred shortly before a story called Fall of X, so I'm biting my nails
0: Yeah. And this is where uh, Mother Righteous also comes into her own as, spoilers, one of the Sinisters.
1: Right. And just like having there be three other Sinisters, but they are three different suits on decks of cards. is such a great comic book image. The way they divvied up different areas of study, the way Mr. Sinister has always been trying to perfect himself. But like now that there's this goal of becoming a Dominion and like whatever the fuck is going on there.
0: Mm-hmm. It's just opened up so many different opportunities for weird cosmic, comic, sci-fi bullshit. But also, like, paid
1: off previous ones simultaneously, just like perfectly, right? Just like answered previous uh-huh. questions while uh, while asking new ones that were even more exciting.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Since the Sinister
1: has Exoswords beaten on my list, it, I think it was probably the best event for me of uh, of X Men of this of this era.
0: Yeah, of this era in the last five years. I believe it. What's, What's your... your? Oh no, no. We're yeah. We're we're at my number eight, which yeah. was Inferno. Hey, we talked about that. Like I said before, I don't really know where to put it. I think the more we talked about it, the more I think I would move Inferno down below Trial of Magneto. Mm-hmm. Because I still really liked Inferno, but it 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 had that weird, you know, <sighs> ending too soon feeling. Yeah, and and that the ending that like, well, couldn't be an ending. Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, even though a lot of the stuff that Inferno allowed has been great, it's just not, you know, ideal. Yeah. And the event itself was, you know, three issues that were really good and then a fourth issue that were like, we were so close. I really liked uh, Cypher in that. Cypher's
1: a cool character and he got a great showing, and that is a very important mover
0: and shaker. Mm,
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, what's your seven?
1: My number seven is X-Men
0: Volume 5 by Mr. Jonathan Hickman. Ooh. All right. So, my number seven is S-W-O-R-D. A sword. Sword, sword, sword. Yes. I feel bad for Al Ewing that his series keep ending, but also I'm glad that X-Men Red exists.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it. it's not
0: like I... I am continuing to read,
1: even though, like, it sort of shifts the focus every time it relaunches. It's like I've been reading the same Al Ewing story for, like, 10, 15 years now.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. And it doesn't feel, like, annoyingly relaunched, like, all of the Psy X stuff.
1: The endings of them have felt really rushed. and But but then he kind of uh, punts a little bit and picks it up a little farther down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's good about that. Yeah. And,
1: um... We've talked about Sword a bunch. It's really good. It had a bunch of just like great Marvel characters doing their shit so good, like Abigail Brand mm-hmm. and Cable mm. and Sunspot. Just like everyone who showed up in Sword was made their presence felt and was super cool. For sure. What's your number six? My number six is New Mutants. Ooh. Another one where like, where do we put it? But yeah. The Rod Reese art has been my favorite thing of the Krakoa era even more than any other the writing mm-hmm. um, and he drew a lot of that New Mutants and at its lowest New Mutants was down there with the lowest of the low but at its highest New Mutants is pretty unparalleled to me and New Mutants has the advantage of I love the deeper cut X-Men characters that New Mutants like to focus on so um, it did right by a lot of my favorite characters who I worry about because they're not Cyclops.
0: Yeah and it suffered for me because of the last few issues. I think if we had ended with Vida Ayala leaving the book with that that issue, I think it would have sat a lot higher. But just the okayness of the last three Charlie Jane Anders issues made me go, eh, the series as a whole kind of suffered for it. In addition to, you know, some of the, the stuff I didn't like previously, even though I, I'm still waiting for a Murd Blurdock to show up again. <laughs> He's out there. And He's Al out Ewing. there somewhere. Al Ewing is going to be. him up. I'm sure. So, What's your number that, six? My number six is Hellions. We're not talking about that yet. All right. What's your number five? My number five is Marauders Volume 1.
1: <sighs> okay. We've, re- we've we've talked about this book more than any other book. Yeah. Since the beginning yeah. of this podcast have we talked about this yeah. book.
0: And we've disagreed about it from minute one. <laughs>
1: from minute one. It, um, <laughs> another book that's like a queer character
0: whose arc matched up with mine in an important way. Mm. And I think it just had a lot of wasted potential. Um, we did spend too much time in Madripoor. Yeah, so much time in Madripoor. Most time in Madripoor anyway, is too much time. My number five. AXE Judgment Day. Whoa. I loved Judgment Day. Judgment Day was good. Our conversation about it last time kind of solidified it as being, like, one of my favorites of this era. And just how successful it was at doing what it set out to do and being sprawling and weird and, but, like, really emotionally effective that didn't have the same kind of lulls that X of Swords had even when it was having its, like, weird romp or inferno had like just
1: well X of Swords has
0: pacing that is demented yes yes so it's hard to put anywhere like judgment days is, is a unit that was built as a unit and it did its job perfectly X of Swords was a nightmare can i remind given you form. something about X of Swords? what There was two issues that got revealed to be a
1: dream after two issues. Then there was an issue where, like, 50 different things happened. And then there was an issue where one thing happened for a really long time. And then the next issue, 50 things happened again.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And this was all after being teased that the swords would be important. The swords were so important. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) But no one fought with them. That's okay. one person fought with them. Some of them were swords. (laughs) Some of them were metaphors, and one of yeah. them was a space station. Yeah, one <laughs> of the swords was a space station. One
1: of the swords was a man who was a crocodile who lived in another man.
0: Er, pug.
1: Yeah, the uh, X-Swords was great. Um, yeah, Judgment Day, I'm realizing listening to you talk that I kind of was grading Judgment Day on a curve because I wasn't counting the entire series, only the X-Men parts, for the purposes of this exercise.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And, which isn't to say that there's any weakness in the X-Men ones, but I think ultimately... If you read it in that context, as like, how does this fit into Krakoa?
0: Yeah, mm, uh, so...
1: Judgment Day like it has as much impact on the Krakoa story as Empire did.
0: It's more of a sins of sinister adjacent set because he references well, I... it as like, I'm not going back through Judgment Day.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But more that um Judgment Day is just like an event that happened during the time of Krakoa. It didn't really change Krakoa much before or after.
0: Mm. I getcha. But it
1: changed the Eternals a lot, and, like, how the Eternals felt about the mutants was important to the story. Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, like, Jean Grey got to pilot uh, a bunch of Eternals. That was fun.
0: (laughs) She got to throw Icarus at a space god.
1: Yeah, she got to throw Icarus at a guy. You know, like, Judgment Day was great. But as an X-Men story, I think it was just okay. But as a showcase for, like, Dr. Doom and Miles Morales, it ruled.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, what's your number four? We're getting there. My number four is Hellions. Interesting.
1: Hellions hasn't moved in a long time, man. It's been solidly there for a long time. We've talked about Hellions a load of times. Hellions was incredible because at the time of announcement, Hellions had the least potential for any of the X-Books announced so far. And looking back, no book has done more to raise the profile and rehabilitate mediocre to shitty characters than Hellions did, and every one of them was a hit. There is not a weak one in the bunch. Bring me back Wild Child and ferol,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I cannot uh, We cannot understate how good this book was and how surprising that statement is. We say it every time, and it's I still can't believe that I'm saying it.
1: Zeb Wells has written good comics before, he wrote written good comics since, like Love Zeb Wells. But, like, Hellions, I don't know what he was doing when he was writing that. That was hot.
0: Yeah. When it ended, I was devastated, but I didn't feel like it was cut too soon. You were devastated, but, like, with that, that
1: like, uh, good feeling of nostalgia where you're like, wow, we really went through it, me and you, Hellions.
0: Yeah. I'm like, this could have kept going, but also, and it probably would have been just as good for for at least a little while longer, but this was the right a good time to end it and a good place absolutely to end it. yeah
1: what was your number four
0: uh hickman's x-men we've
1: talked about this in the many episodes we've even
0: talked about it a little today the only
1: thing that i think i have to add is um nothing has felt as epic and impactful and essential as those issues of hickman x-men did
0: yeah that's what makes it so hard to dislodge from from my top it, it's moved a little bit but i'm like i'm really i really have trouble kind of moving it lower because i'm like but every time I, I think oh something else could be better i just remember you know the crucible issue i remember uh, you know one of the other issues of um the space egg like originally the the brew stuff yeah this just and i love the the anthology approach no one's done it since and it disappoints me every time it just makes so much sense yeah the children of the atom issue the vault
1: yeah so good Children of the Vault was great. uh Mystique, just like so much has been
0: made of the Mystique
1: story that got set up in that series, mm-hmm.
0: they're still mining the ideas from that book.
1: The issue where they go to the like uh, economic conference and apocalypse scares everybody, <laughs> while uh, Cyclops and Gorgon murder like fifty thousand guys upstairs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also ruled, yeah, an incredible series.
0: Incredible. What's your number three?
1: My number three is Immortal X Men by Kieran Gillen. We've got another tie! Ding, ding, ding! Daily double. The, the, what I would add to, that would to, like from our earlier conversation is that um, it's also very formally focused. Immortal X Men, mm-hmm. every issue takes on the perspective of a different member of the Council, and the Council is constantly shifting as to who's on it. Mm-hmm. But treating every issue like a character showcase has been a great way of focusing it and making it feel kind of like an anthology.
0: Yes. And that's why it's kind of, it's sitting, well, it finally dethroned Hickman as number three. It moved up to to there for me because it's just, it's just been that good at doing what it's doing.
1: And the, idea, the formalist idea of like, so when we got up to the Sebastian Shaw issue that just happened to coincide with Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Like it, we didn't have to do like a, oh, but I really also wanted to do a Judgment Day issue for Mystique or something. I was like, nope, it's Sh- Shaw's up. So what does Shaw have to do with Judgment Day? That's the story today. Okay, uh, now uh, we're all talking about like Hope. Well, Hope's issue is gonna be uh, actually it was the Storm issue recently that
0: uh, Storm's issue is gonna mm. be all about the fallout from Sins of Sinister because she's up. Yeah, and what and tying in some of the the Colossus stuff where she's been deep simmering for a oh, long yeah. long time long time i'm i'm very afraid of that
1: yeah that stuff is like really upsetting and dark yeah yeah which is interesting it's, it's like a darker
0: tone than a lot of the line oh yeah that's exciting yeah but i'm get i'm gonna guess that you're number two yeah is it house of x powers of 10 Wow, you sound very unsure of yourself. It is House of X Powers okay, of Ten. Okay, because my number two is X-Men Red, which means your number one is X-Men Red, and my number you one got it. is still House of X Powers of Ten.
1: Yeah, House of X Powers of Ten's a fucking miracle. We're still talking about it. It set up every, like, th- we're still excited when ideas that were mentioned in it come back, like Dominions and Resputin. Mm-hmm chimeras and just saying a buzzword from hoxpox even now. When did that come out? What when was Hoxpox? Twenty eighteen? Twenty nineteen?
0: I think it was twenty nineteen. Let's see. Twenty nineteen, yes. July to October. It,
1: it's been half a decade since Hoxpox, and if a comic just mentions a buzzy word from Hoxpox, the internet melts down the whole comics world. Yeah. It's incredible. It really is. I have X Men read Higher because Mm-hmm. X-Men Red, I, Hoxpox Pox is the first chapter in a much larger story. Yes. And X-Men Red is just one of my favorite comic series I've ever read. Everything it's doing, it's doing so well, and it's all my favorite shit. I love the new characters, I love the old characters, the high-stakes stuff have made me feel things more than almost any other X-Men book. The world-building has been, like, beautiful, and I've gotten really fascinated by
0: Arako, and I can't wait to keep up, just, like, for more... X-Men Red Man. It's just, it's too good. How dare it. Yeah, it's, every issue is not quite an event, but that's what it feels like to pick up an issue of X-Men Red I'm like, what's going to happen next? I need to know. I cannot wait. You got to like warm up and stretch before you read an issue of that. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I I wish they would put Russell Dauterman on, on interior art. (laughs) Yeah, that would be a gift. It would be a gift. We are at the end of our big X list. It got unwieldy. Oh my God. I did not think we would end up going for around two hours. I thought we could do it. I kind of
1: thought it was possible. I didn't didn't believe in us. We're long winded. We love X-Men. You're right. This will probably be the last time we perform this exercise in this exact way, but I'm sure we'll talk about X-Men again.
0: Oh, certainly. But yeah, I think as much as I would love to continue doing this, it's exhausting, as you just saw, as you heard my exasperation at the end here, <laughs> 47 books is just too many. I don't think I ever thought it would get to this point. I think I, I thought maybe we doesn't. would get to into like the, the 20s or 30s, but we'd be talking about, you know, ongoings and how they've changed and... No, of course not. But no, of no, they not. keep relaunching the dang things, and so we have to keep talking about them again in different ways. Ugh. We don't really have any book club stuff down the line, not yet. Uh, we are still. Don't worry, we have not forgotten about the Howard the Duck movie. Just getting some well ducks in a row, <laughs> as they say. As they say, but we'll 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 let you know what's coming next. Uh, we'll probably end up picking something nice and nice and easy as our next book club. So I think we need it. Yeah, that's true. But before that, we. Almost certainly we'll be talking about some of the the new books, books that are exciting us at Marvel that we've been enjoying reading that we haven't really talked about considering we've been doing Eternals for what, eight months, nine months? Eight years. (laughs) Three decades? Yeah. Eternally. Eternally. There we go. There we go. Eternally. Um, So we'll keep you updated. We'll keep you posted. Uh, But until the next time, Jaina, where can they find you? On the larger oh, i don't really
1: know i guess uh,
0: <laughs> i i really i'm not using twitter i'm
1: going to say my twitter handle this time i'm really not using twitter anymore uh but you can find me at ramblingmoose.tumblr.com, and you can find me occasionally published on websites like MultiversityComics.com, which is a pretty great website
0: elias what about you uh i i mean my twitter handle it's still at quetzalish q u e t z e l i s h uh I guess I'm keeping it around still. I only made it f- f- you know, to do comic stuff. But I don't like I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like I, I've never liked social media, which makes me sound yeah, me like neither. an old man and a Luddite, but I never did. I'm too I'm too yeah, I'm too I mean, private a person.
1: <laughs> at I times. I
0: understand exactly how you feel. Yeah. Uh but so the best way to contact me is actually at my multiversity email, which is erosner at multiversitycomics.com. If you have any questions, if you want to let us know how how good we're doing, if you want to let us know why a book we ranked very highly is good, please do. Uh, I prefer kind comments, much preferably. Looking it, forward. Right, looking forward <laughs> to those. This episode was edited by Olivia and Safir, and uh, for those who don't read the show notes, our theme music is called Excelsior, and it's by Carol Romo. So until then, stay with me. Excelsior.